Hi, everyone. Please consider leaving us a review where you listen to the podcast and also subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. We would also love for you to consider joining the She Speaks community. It's free to join and you'll get the chance to have first access to surveys, giveaways, product reviews, sampling opportunities, and great content like this podcast. Visit SheSpeaks.com to join and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SheSpeaksUp. Welcome back to the She Speaks podcast. Hope you're all having a great week so far. I am really looking forward to having you hear this episode. I have with me today, Dina Kaplan. She's the founder of The Path. And Dina's had an incredibly cool career. Of all the things she's done, I'm just going to give you a few of the things she's done. She has been an Emmy Award winning news reporter for NBC. She has worked at the White House. She's worked on political campaigns. And she's also been the co-founder of a very high-flying and successful startup in the New York City media space back in the 2000s. And that's actually how I know Dina. We encountered one another back in the day, and I was always so impressed with the work that she was doing. But what we talk about today is Dina's latest venture, which is called The Path, and it is about mindfulness and meditation. We talk about how Dina got here. And it was very much based on all of those experiences that I just mentioned that ultimately really burnt her out. And Dina talks about her story. She shares a story with us. And what we do is we talk about how to do a basic meditation. Don't worry, we're not spending a ton of time um, doing this, but you will get the very top line understanding of like an a- the ABCs of how to do a basic meditation. If you're someone who's been curious about meditation, I don't personally meditate. However, I have heard a lot about the value of meditation. So Dina kind of explains to us you know, how we can get started if we want to do something basic, if you only have a few minutes and you want to try it, what to do and how to move forward. And as part of the meditation, one of the things that Dina talks about is the value of not just awareness of what's going on with us because I, I know a lot of people say that when you meditate you do can you do have the opportunity to kind of plug in to what's going on with you. But Dina talks about the value of also being aware of the world around us and the people around us and connecting with what's going on with them and the value of doing it. And I think in this world that we're in right now, one of the things we're hearing from a lot of women is that they are looking for ways to connect with other people. And this episode, I think, will be a really interesting perspective on how to really pay attention to what's not only going on with yourself, but what's going on with other people. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. I'm going to jump right into it so you can hear the really interesting insights from Dina Kaplan. Here we go. Dina Kaplan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. Well, you and I were just reminiscing about all of our crossovers in life and shared connections, which are always fun to do. Because um, you and my husband went to the same uh, school, Wesleyan, which has produced some amazing people. So kudos 
So you have a, an amazing background. Wesleyan's a great school. You left Wesleyan. So you were at the White House. You are an Emmy award-winning news reporter for NBC. You have worked at MTV. And then you were a co-founder of one of the hottest media startups. I remember it well. And had just like conquered lots of things, so many things, and then made a decision to change your life and to start a completely new story, which I am just, I'm so fascinated by. So let me start by asking you, can you talk about what made you make that decision to leave this amazing company that you'd help build and go start a, a new chapter? Thank you for asking. Very sweet, very thoughtful question. Yeah, it was a huge change. I basically hung my hat on this title of founder. And I think it's probably fair to say that at that time, I say this with lightness and humility, laughing with and at myself. I was probably the most prominent woman founder in New York. Maybe we could say definitely on the East Coast, maybe even the country. I'm sure there were people doing amazing things in San Francisco, uh, maybe down in LA. I didn't know about them. And for some reason, I ended up being in the press all the time. And so, yeah, I hung my hat on that. I was this really shy, insecure, frizzy-haired kid from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, growing up that just dreamed of really even having just like one good friend, like let alone being, you know, popular. And then all of a sudden I'm kind of the popular, I say this with a sense of humor because you'll know what's coming next, girl in the New York tech scene, but it all masked the fact that I was an absolute friggin' mess on the inside. And what I mean by that is that I was having panic attacks constantly. And they were so intense and so frequent that while being co-founder and COO of, yeah, super fast growing startup based in New York, I did not have the confidence to cross the street by myself for two mm -hmm. years. I was just constantly having panic attacks, which if anyone hasn't experienced it, you're blessed. It is like a tingling sensation that for me started at the top of my head and then would shoot through my body. And I never knew, I literally never knew when I was going to pass out. And I lived in terror of passing out in the middle of a New York City intersection and then getting run over by a cab. And it was very vain kind of anxiety. Uh, so basically what happened is one day I was across the street from my office. I had a huge day ahead of me. I was being interviewed by New York Times or Wall Street Journal, one of the big publications, and then meeting with an investment banker that wanted to represent our company in case we sold a whole, a whole big, intense founder day. And I was across the street from my office and I remember thinking, I, I can't get there. Like, I'm almost going to cry telling you this story, but I did not have the confidence that I would be safe and healthy walking 13 seconds or less across the street. And it was in that moment that I did no pro and con list. There was no logic behind this. It was just my body basically told me, you've got to get out of here. This voice basically came to me, like through me and said, You've got to leave. You've got to live the opposite life and the opposite part of the world. And in that moment, it took some machinations with the board and the whole thing. And they said to ask my family, like, will you support me if I leave the company? And they said, do you have anything else in your life? And I said, well, it's time to find out. And I left. And I just decided that it was more important for me to get healthy than to have any of these 
labels or conferences to speak at or parties that I was being invited to. Nothing was more important than my health. So much of what you're saying resonates with me. I think it resonates with a lot of women. I think we, as women, we start to tell ourselves a story about ourselves and we end up going down a path. And then you get to a point and you think, you look around and you're like, well, how the hell did I get here? I don't, I, I don't know if, is this what I want? Is this really what I want? And I think there's another thing you talk about that I would love for you to uh, speak a little bit more on. And that is you have this amazing analogy to a record and how with neuroplasticity, and this is a topic I find so fascinating. It, can you talk a little bit about the idea of the, what we tell ourselves and how that literally becomes imprinted in our brains. Yeah. I mean, we all have habits. We all have patterns. And for some people that might mean that if they feel sad or lonely or anxious, that they'll just dive into work because that's familiar and something that they can have some amount of control over. And other people might go and get an ice cream or something or eat a pint of ice cream. Like we all have these different habits and patterns. And essentially those patterns can form groups, essentially creating the record of our personality. This is my language. But what we can do, what we have the power to do, and the neuroscience studies support this, is we can climb out of the grooves on the record of our personality and make huge changes in our lives and in our personality. So to tie it back to my story, I changed those patterns. It was funny when my parents said, literally, do you have anything else in your life? And I told them that I wanted to leave the company. I didn't know if I did. Like my whole world wrapped around this title of founder. I'd kind of become a bit of a role model to founders and especially women founders. And I didn't know if there could be anything else in my life. But it was funny. I went, I ended up booking a one-way ticket to Asia. I totally went with the cliche and flew to Bali where I'd never been before. So totally a wink and a nod to how cliche this all was. And I was so nervous. I was still having the panic attacks, of course. So now I'm going to a place where I don't know anyone. And that feels really dangerous in terms of the panic attacks. But I also don't know if anyone will talk to me. I was trained essentially to be pleasing from being bullied uh, pretty badly before that word was really known as a little kid. And so I just developed this pattern, one of the groups on the record of my personality, this pattern of trying to be helpful for people around me, trying to be pleasing. So if I met someone, let's say in the tech world, I would want to connect them with a VC or with a press person and just always try to be helpful because I worry that I myself was not enough. And so now I'm traveling around the world and I have nothing to offer anyone. I don't have a job. I don't have a career. I don't know what I'm doing next. And it was time for me to start practicing letting me, my personality, me just be enough. I love this analogy too, though, about, uh, we've talked about this before with, with some psychiatrists we've had on the show in the past about the idea of like a panic attack in some ways it, you think you can think about it very much as it's your body telling you something that your mind already knows, but is not conscious of. And you talk about this, you have a TED talk where you talk about that there was this lie in your life 
and 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 you encourage people in that talk. And I I think we'll we'll make sure we put a link to it in the show notes for this because I think it's a really thought provoking um, talk. And you encourage people to think about what are those lies that we tell ourselves. And it's not we're not being mean to ourselves, but it, over time the way we speak to ourselves, what we think about ourselves, the path we go down becomes what we think and who we are. And we can change that. Can you talk about how meditation, and I know that there's some people who believe very strongly in meditation. I grew up um, in a very religious background. So um, there was a lot of prayer. And for me, I, when I think about meditation, I think about prayer. I'm not a religious person now, but even when I did think about it back then, I thought this is a great time for me to just think about things. So can you talk about the role of meditation and why we don't have to think, I mean, don't have to think about it maybe as this concept that is incredibly difficult to start or to get into. Maybe it's about raising your consciousness. Maybe it's about just raising your awareness. But can you talk about the role of meditation and these things in our lives and why they can be so beneficial? Yeah, I mean, meditation can accomplish so much for us. And it can be a simple thing. It can be a prayer. It can be just a moment of noticing, even as you're listening to this beautiful conversation, just noticing what the sensation of your breath feels like as the air comes into and out of your nostrils. There are a lot of different forms that meditation can take, but meditation helps to essentially give you a pause, a gap between what's happening to you, let's say an email that you don't like, or a barista at your coffee shop takes forever to make your coffee, like some, let's say, difficult moment or interaction or text or email, and how you want to choose to respond to that. So it gives us that pause and that ability, which is quite magical, to in a way freeze time and let us go back into our power, not be reactive, but to decide with great freedom and liberation, here's how I want to choose to respond to anything happening in the day. That is so powerful. I think it's a really exciting way to live is to realize that we have so much freedom and so many opportunities to choose how we want to respond to people and situations throughout our days. Yeah. So for someone who is maybe new to meditation, new to the concept of sitting and sitting with your thoughts and sitting with yourself. Can you talk about just how to get someone can get started? Let's say someone has never done it before. What would be a good way for somebody to get started on their own? Ah, that's a great question. So there are a lot of different techniques and some techniques really are great for some people and seem really challenging for others. But to keep it really simple, I think you can just sit your feet flat on the ground, so not with your ankles or knees crossed, if possible. You can close your eyes or have them open with a soft gaze. And then just notice the sensations of the breath. This is training your mind and specifically training your mind to focus on what the sensations of the breath feel like. Bring your attention back to the sensations of the breath. So that meditation, this meditation is really just all about constantly returning to the sensations of the breath. In thinking about, okay, so the role of meditation for us, right? You did this 10-day silent retreat. There was a Buddhist vow of no lying. 
um, in during that retreat, you decided to leave. And we this kind of weaves us back to the idea of the lie. You talk about the lie you tell yourself. Let's can you talk a little bit about when you had that revelation on the 10 day journey of the silent retreat, when you had the revelation of what the lying was, what, what it was for you, and then the vow you made as you move forward. Yes. So I didn't leave the retreat to be clear. I, I finished it. A lot of people leave during those. Uh, I finished it. And then I actually did another one six months later, which is very intense. It is a way to know way more about your personality than anyone should know about themselves spending that much time in silence with yourself. But what is funny about these retreats is that when you go in, they make you sign a series of vows. And one of them is exactly as you're saying, is a vow that you're not going to lie. But I'm thinking, well, I'm going into a silent retreat. So I'm not speaking. So okay, sure. And so I signed my name to that vow. Well, as we finish the retreat and people are getting ready to leave, they say, by the way, those vows that you just signed, they now apply to the rest of your life. So I gasped, like, oh my goodness, because I've always been a very literal person, for better or for worse. Like if I tell you we're going to have lunch, like we are having lunch. If I tell you I'm going to get this paperwork into you at X time, I'm getting that paperwork in. Like I just... I've always had this literal way about myself, which has good and bad ramifications. But now that I realized, oh gosh, I just made a vow not to lie. I thought, well, you know what? Let me let me try. Let me see what life is like not lying. And I thought that I was going to start another company, and it turned out I did. It happens to be in the field of meditation called the Path. I thought, wow, how interesting. If I can't lie, even in marketing, so let's say we're, we run these big teacher training programs, not big, we run these beautiful, small teacher training programs that are amazing. But if I can't say there are five spots left when there are actually six spots left, uh, that would be a lie. So I need to be honest, even in marketing, is that even possible? And it turns out that it is. And so I've made it part of the ethics of the company mm -hmm. that everything we say must be true. And mm -hmm. so if I market, there are six spots left and there are actually seven. Someone on my team will say, oh, no, Dina, you're wrong. There's seven and we have to say seven. So I love it. I find now it kind of makes every day, every conversation a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. How can I be 100% honest in this conversation? But in the end, I think it has this purifying effect on your mind and your body. And it really helps you fall a little bit more in love with yourself. So I keep to it and I really like it. Well, yeah. And I think about the the consistency with the with the theme of secrets. When we lie, what we're really doing is keeping a secret, right? It's a secret. And how many secrets are we keeping the more we lie? It's just, it just, they just add up and it becomes exhausting. So in terms of the new company, which you formed, which is called The Path, and it's about meditation and, and other things, can you talk about what you do um, and how you basically serve an audience? The Path is a beautiful company focused on meditation. We do three main things. So we run these beautiful meditation teacher training programs that are live, but they're online. So people join literally from all over the world. Makes it really exciting. We have people from up and down Africa and Asia and the US, of course, Canada, Europe, all over the world. So that is wonderful. And then once a year, we have a retreat called Mela. So it's a curated retreat and it is absolutely incredible. We bring together people who are authors and tech 
finance, nonprofit leaders, activists, a lot of people in the entertainment industry. And then we put everyone on a real retreat. And then we also do meditation for companies. Uh, we do it for individuals as well, but we have companies reach out to us, whether it's a PR firm or a venture capital firm. People are so stressed these days. So it's a beautiful thing to offer. Uh, and now what we do is we take the graduates of our teacher training program and they will often lead the meditations for companies or for other people. So we are able to hire them back after they graduate from our program, which is wonderful. Let's talk a little bit about this idea of raising our consciousness, right? One of the, the benefits of, of meditating, of, um, of what we've been talking about is heightened awareness. This is a concept that we hear from women, uh, lots of women that they struggle with. They, women understand self-awareness is important, but it's not something that they feel they are intuitively good at, um, or maybe they have an intuitive sense for something, but they're not conscious. Bringing it to the consciousness is a little bit more difficult. Can you talk a little bit about, well, one, the importance of self-awareness from your perspective, and also, do you have any tips for how people, women can start tapping into self-awareness to get better at? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. I actually just spoke with someone I'm working on a book related to this. And I just spoke with an editor thinking that maybe we should even call the entire book the awareness gap. There is a huge awareness gap. And I would say self-awareness is part of it. But let's just open it up to awareness. Our words and actions have a huge impact on other people. We're, we're animals, just like animals are animals. And we're social creatures, like you see polar bears play with each other uh, and all sorts of animals in play. We're meant to be in community. And it would be almost impossible to exist just being on your own. And so what we need to do, though, is actually to get out of our head. I mean, this can be a miserable place to be. We have these thoughts until we train our mind. We have thoughts that swirl endlessly. We have those patterns that maybe we haven't changed yet, those grooves that are pretty deep on the record of our personality. So who wants to live with all of that? It's much more fun and more spacious to really think about a, a global consciousness, a global awareness, and to think about ourselves, not just as individuals, which we are, but as part of a community. And with that, we don't need to go really fast, you know, and cut off another car that's trying to enter the lane. We can be kind and we can actually think of kindness as a bit of a superpower these days. I think that the ability to be aware of something beyond the Michigas that's going on in our head, to be aware of how we are affecting other people, the people in our lives, the people close to us, the strangers, the people at a reception area at a hotel or that you're getting a coffee or a tea or a green juice from. If we can be aware of what impact we have on other people, it's, it's honestly, it's a more relaxing and it's a more fun way to live. And in that way, you can be a gift to everyone around you. I think even by smiling at someone, even by a small, tiny act of kindness, letting someone walk ahead of you if it looks like they're in a rush. These are just little ways that we can live with more awareness and literally end up being happier ourselves. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about the work you did to figure out what that lie was that you were telling yourself and this idea of self-awareness. And if a woman 
who is listening to this, and I think probably many of us will feel like, I think there are probably some lies in my life. I bet you that there are some lies in my life. What is a good way for women to get in touch with what those lies are that are maybe go swirling around in their lives? So I think the first step is to be aware of it. And journaling sounds like, oh God, it's yet another thing to do. But journaling can really help you shift patterns. I have been in situations, I, for example, had a very, my birthday is on Christmas. I had a very difficult Christmas Eve this past year. Uh, and I could go into it or not, but some, a friend who had been a friend for over a decade did something uh, very hurtful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was really hard. And I ended up just journaling. I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel, you know, I I feel, I feel. And by recognizing those feelings, like you can do if you're recognizing a pattern, by recognizing it, you know, I think that these feelings, these emotions, these lies, they kind of just want to be heard like the rest Mm -hmm. of us. And so if you allow them to be seen and heard Mm -hmm. and exposed and brought to light, then it can start to go away. And it was funny. I journaled, I journaled, I journaled this whole day. And what's funny is the next day, so I journaled the whole day of the 26th. And the next day I woke up and I thought, I'm clear. Like, I'm clear. I have no Mm -hmm. anger. And I haven't really thought about it almost at all since then. So Mm -hmm. it's about recognizing these patterns. And, you know, people have different ways of getting over things. We're learning more, as you're saying, as you were referencing, about how much trauma and anything negative that's happened to us, how much it lives in the body. So running is good or dancing or shaking or doing martial arts or swimming, like being active in your body, mm-hmm. recognizing the sensations in your body. That's really good. That's really helpful. Um, but just recognizing these patterns, writing about it. And then you can even write and say, I want to feel worthy. Okay. What mm-hmm. does feeling worthy look like? Feeling worthy means I don't need to talk very much actually, because I am good enough just being here. And tying it back to my earlier story, me trying to do favors for people, introductions. I was always trying to be funny or charming or helpful, doing connections, this and that. That was all about not feeling worthy. When you feel worthy, you're just you're just there and that's good enough. All right. I want to ask you one last thing. What do you wish that you could tell the young Dina who's just starting out on her journey? It's a beautiful question. I think I would say I had a lot of insecurities as you're hearing growing up. And I thought that I would prove to my parents and myself and the teachers that told me I wasn't smart enough. I thought I would prove all of that through working and being successful. So I was a founder. I worked in the White House. I worked at MTV News. You know, I did all of these things that sound really good. But I think in the end, funny that I was in a room and this famous doctor was asked, like, what would you want on your tombstone when you were to pass? And she said, I have loved and I've been loved and all the rest was background music. Mm-hmm. I think that we underestimate the importance of love and it's not just love in a romantic relationship, but like celebrate and nurture and honor and spend time on love, love of friendship love in community and love even with the people you're working with. I love the people that I work Mm -hmm. with. I I deeply appreciate their work and also deeply appreciate them as people. So I think I would tell little Dina to spend as much time on love as on work because it's Mm -hmm. the relationships that really nurture us in life. I love such great advice. I 
I have asked that question to a lot of people and I, I think you've brought something you know new and different to how we think about it. So thank you for that. Dina, what is the best way for people to follow you and to learn more about what you're doing with The Path? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so go to our website. It's thepath.com and sign up for our invitation list. We don't send a ton of emails. Uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm at Dina Kaplan and follow The Path. It's at the.path. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that wisdom with us. And I can't wait for people to hear this and to learn more about you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our show. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is just to leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen to the show. You don't have to write a review. You can just leave us one of those five-star ratings. And that is really the best way to support the show so we can bring you more great content. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're an influencer or a brand that wants to work with us, please feel free to email us at info at Until next time.